People have told stories of the strange and supernatural for centuries. Tales of the restless dead return to haunt the living. Whispers of damned souls doing the devil's bidding on earth. Rumors of inhuman things that still hunt the old forests, untouched by the glare of modern life. There may be more to these stories than you could ever imagine. Join us tonight as we delve into the deeper truth inside these mysteries. How the devil are you all and welcome back. This week is chapter 2 Berkshire of our Haunted Counties of England series. I hope you're enjoying it so far. Unfortunately Dan can't be with us today. His granddad's passed with his family so thoughts with the family there. He may feature on the additional content part of this episode so stay tuned for that if you are a subscriber on Apple or Patreon. Okay, just a little bit of housekeeping then before we get into today's show. Firstly, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody that signed up to Apple and Patreon this week. We've had a flood of people do that, uh, so thank you very much. You know who you, who you are. Uh, also, I wanted to thank everybody that shared the show on the socials and that. Uh, you know, that's a massive help to us like you won't believe. Uh, so thank you again for doing that. And then just thirdly, we did mention on the end of the last episode, um, if you want to make a donation towards the show, if you think the show is worth a dollar or a few dollars, whatever you think, and you want to make a one-off donation, you can do it via the tip jar, and that's GoFundMe, and we've got a PayPal link as well, so PayPal or GoFundMe, whichever you choose, both those links are in the description of the show, so that's where you find them. If you haven't got access to that... Then contact us at Gmail. Uh, sorry, contact us at contact us at supernaturalpod at gmail.com and we could send you links that way. Or if you're on Facebook, message on Facebook and we can do that. I've had to do that for some people for Patreon because for whatever reason, when they're searching on the Patreon site for bizarre tales, we're not popping up. Um, hopefully that's going to be rectified soon. I think it's just a location thing because obviously when I do it, it pops up. I have to send the link that way, but. Um, yeah, so just be aware of that. Uh, obviously, we mentioned on the end of the last show that anyone that does put into the tip jar and makes a donation, will go in, their name will be basically entered into a hat as a raffle. And when we get to a certain point, we will be issuing out a £50 Amazon voucher or a £100 Amazon voucher, depending on how much uh, tips we get. So, you know, although you're supporting the show, you might get something back as well, so... It's a win-win. Okay, I think that's it for housekeeping, so here is Chapter 2, Berkshire. Berkshire, then, as it's known today. Originally called Berkshire up until around the 17th century. Later to be given the name of Royal Berkshire by Queen Elizabeth II in 1957. As you can imagine, with a county this old, it's seen its fair share of tragedies. From murderous landlords, some spooky nocturnal lights, devious highwaymen, and being home to Windsor Castle, you can expect some royal ghosts too.
let's start with the Padworth Lights. It was early in the 20th century where the first reports of strange lights along the Padworth Road were reported. Witnesses would say these lights moved quickly, silently, and disappeared without leaving a trace. The lights were always reported as being a mysterious yellow glow in the darkness, which led some people to believe it might have been the lantern of a once lost weary traveller, or the candlelight of a horse-drawn carriage that must have come to some tragic end along the Padworth Road. Others just believed the lights were souls trapped in purgatory. Although the witnesses described different things, or different beliefs, one thing they could all agree on, whatever these lights were, they were not of this world. Further up from Padworth Road stands a manor house called Padworth House. The main haunting taking place in this manor house is believed to be a soldier killed in the Civil War skirmish which took place not too far away. The knight is said to stand in full armour at the entrance to one particular bedroom, or, as some witnesses reported, the foot of the bed, waking up to see a man in armour glistening in the moonlight standing staring over the occupants. One story told in 1875 is of a restorer who was cleaning a portrait known as the Lady in Yellow by Lely. As he stood cleaning the painting, he felt as though someone was watching him. He turned round to see a lady's ghost watching him work. This went on for a few days. The man complained bitterly, but being paid to do a job, he stayed to finish it. Now, Lower Padworth, near Towney Bridge, two motorists travelling along Bath Road saw a woman dressed in cream. As they approached, she walked along the side of the jewel carriageway with her head bowed. She wore a large hat, gloves, a dress that was out of place, with fancy diamond shapes on the hem. Her whole outfit, including her shoes, was cream, and seemed to date back to the 1930s. Both men, as you can imagine, were extremely alarmed at this sight, and when they looked back in their rearview mirror, yes, she was gone. Both men were left quite shaken by this experience, but would not be the only people to report the Lady in Cream. Now I'd like to take you to Collinbrook and the Ostrich Inn as it's known today. 
The foundations of this pub were laid as long ago as 1106, when Henry I was on the throne. The inn stands opposite a 17-mile stone marker, which points to London. The original name was the Hospice, a place where travellers to London could get a bed for the night. As you can imagine, with a pub this old, it's seen its fair share of murders. None more so than its famous, or should I say infamous, landlords of the 17th century, Jarman and his wife. Landlord Jarman and his wife came up with an idea for a profitable, some say not so profitable, sideline, where they would murder weary travellers. Landlord Jarman, being a carpenter by trade, built a trapdoor in one of the bedrooms, where by pulling a lever, the victim would fall from their bed straight into a boiling vat of oil, thus killing the victim. It's believed they may have killed up to 16 people in this fashion. So how this would play out, Jarman and his wife devised a code. On seeing a wealthy traveller come into the inn, Jarman recalled to his wife, there's a fat pig here if you want one. If she also liked the look of the victim, she would call back, put him in the sty. Then from here, the plan was simple. Wait victim to get drunk enough. Offer him a bed over the trapdoor. Peep through the spy hole. Then Jarman would peep through the spy hole to make sure he was asleep. Pull the lever. Take the belongings. Pull the lever. The victim would die and they would take his belongings, hoping to one day retire on the wealth. They're amassed. The couple had gotten away with this crime for some time. And maybe that was to be their downfall. As one night, a man walked in by the name of Thomas Cole. He was a clover. The couple could see instantly that this guy had some wealth. The story goes that during the course of the night they offered Thomas the sty and he refused. He was happy to keep going as it was only 17 miles from there to London where he was meeting friends and staying over there anyway. But the night went on and they applied him with drink And after all the other patrons had gone, they offered him one more time the use of the sty. And again, it's not quite sure what happened next, but it's believed that Thomas turned them down. Enraged by this, Jarman is said to have strangled the man. So not using the customary fashion of the old trapdoor. And again, this is where it went wrong for the couple. As the next day, Thomas Cole's horse was found wandering in the square. A search was undertaken for him. 
and some local men found his body drowned in the brook behind the pub. People were interviewed. Had they seen Thomas Cole? Everybody who had said the same thing. The last time they saw him, he was drunk in the Ostrich Inn. The local sheriff and his men arrested the couple. After finding valuables stashed away that belonged to Thomas Cole. They were taken by the sheriff and his men to the local woods behind the pub and asked to admit their crimes. Jarman, on believing that his wife would be spared, confessed to the killings. But the lack of remorse shown by him and his wife led them both to be hanged. And so for this reason it is said to this day that their spirits still linger in the woods, the screams of his wife being heard at night. And the victims also haunt the area, including inside the pub itself. Many landlords that have come in sceptical when taking over the ostrich inn have left true believers. Owners and staff alike have reported poltergeist activity, strange murmurings, strange footsteps, even shutters banging. Most staff don't stay too long. The name itself, Collinbrook, is believed to derive from Thomas Cole's body being found in the brook. Cole in Brook. Although, this is uncertain. Either way, if you're ever out in Berkshire and you're offered a room for the night, maybe think twice. Now we move on to Windsor Castle itself. Currently a royal residence and home to many families of the British monarchy and the weekend residence for Her Majesty the Queen. The castle itself was originally built around the 11th century after the Norman invasion of England by William the Conqueror. And since the time of Henry I who reigned in 11 100 to 1135, it has been used by the reigning monarchs and is the longest occupied palace in Europe. So not unsurprisingly, with this amount of history, there are many, many ghost stories. Here are a few. One of the earliest recorded ghost sightings at Windsor Castle came in 1897, 
and it was reported by Lieutenant Carr Glynn of the Grenadier Guards, who was at the time one of Queen Victoria's guards. He claims to have seen a woman bearing a striking resemblance to Queen Elizabeth I, who had died in 1603. She walked past him and made her way into the library office. Lieutenant Carglin jumped up and immediately followed the lady. On entering the library, he met with the library attendant and asked who the lady was who just entered the room. The library attendant confirmed there was nobody else in the library that day. It is said that many royals, even up to today, have seen Queen Elizabeth I's ghost. And those who don't see her report footsteps coming from the library. King George III, who was famously detained at the castle due to his mental state in the latter years of his life, is another said ghostly resident of Windsor Castle. He used to take the salute of his guards in the evening. Shortly after dying, the guards were marching past the window where he would normally stand and salute them. On doing so, the captain in charge of the guards, from the corner of his eye, saw King George standing in the window. With true British stiff upper lip, he called to the rest of his guards the command of eyes right. All the guards marched past and saluted the king one final time. The Guardsman is a tragic story. In 1927, an 18-year-old guard, who was on night patrol in a moment of despair, took his own life by shooting himself in the head. A few weeks later, however, a guard who was posted to the same sentry post was relieved when he heard footsteps approaching him, which he believed to be the guard who was going to replace him on shift. On looking up, he saw the face of the 18-year-old boy that had killed himself a few weeks previous. He instantly recognised him. And in that moment of terror, he heard footsteps approaching from behind. He spun around and was relieved to see the new guard coming his way. On turning back, the 18-year-old boy had vanished into thin air. He would not be the last guard posted on duty in that sentry position to report seeing the young lad. Another event which took place one night in April 1906, when an officer on sentry duty saw a group of men walking up the main pathway to the castle entrance. He challenged the group. But the group carried on walking towards him. So he made another challenge. But the group of men just continued to proceed towards him. He called out again, Halt, who goes there? But the group carried on coming towards him. At this point, the man fired a warning shot. The figure at the front seemed to react to this shot momentarily before continuing to walk. The guard left with no choice, fixed bayonet 
and charged towards the group. On hitting the first man, he seemed to stumble before vanishing before the guard's eyes. As you can imagine, he was pretty shaken up by the event, and went to report it immediately to his senior officer. Unfortunately, the senior officer was not amused, but still ordered a search to be carried out of the grounds. On finding nobody, the officer was punished by being confined to barracks for three weeks. Now, no royal ghost stories would be complete without a sighting of Henry VIII, who is said to haunt the deanery cloisters. Many witnesses report the unmistakable sound of the king hobbling around on his badly ulcerated leg. Okay, thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed that. If you're a Patreon or Apple subscriber, stick around for the additional content coming up soon. If you're not, then consider joining us. Or like I mentioned at the beginning, if you, you can leave a donation, do that. The links are in the show notes. Uh, that being said, if you want to get involved in the show, if you, you know, you've got a haunted story from your county and you want us to know about it, then again, get in touch with us by email, supernaturalpod at gmail.com. Record it if you like and send that to us. That'd be fantastic. But yeah, that you know, get involved. Sign up if you can. Okay, until chapter three then. Uh, we will see you on the other side. Well, they've gone. No, just for now. It wasn't the right time for us to meet. But there'll be other nights... Other stars for us to watch. They'll be back.